That's right, the Survivor Worldwide crew is back one more time here to talk about the finale of Survivor South Africa Immunity Island. Riley, what an episode. The last time I was this shocked watching a Survivor episode, I actually, I don't even know if there was the last time I was this shocked watching a Survivor episode. I think the last time I was this shocked in general was when I watched the end of Game of Thrones. This was kind <laughs> of like the end of Game of Thrones episode, to be honest. We didn't even get the king here at the end wearing his crown. Chappies is out. Yeah, we got the queen, Nicole Vilmans, winning Survivor South Africa Immunity Island, becoming the first uh, female Survivor South Africa winner in, I think, 11 years. Um, and as you said, uh, I think a lot of people were um, not the biggest fans of this finale. I was really happy with the end result. I think Nicole, um, a great winner, a unique winner, a shock winner, which is what I like from Survivor South Africa. And we've seen this in the past where we get just surprise winners. Um, so I'm really excited to discuss this episode. Obviously, we had um, Chappies obviously falling in that final immunity challenge um, and Anella not winning as well. So there's plenty to discuss here. Um, and I know you're a big Chappies fanboy, so you're obviously a little bit disappointed you didn't make it to the end. But I, I love this episode, which I think is a unique opinion. I, I've heard a lot of people were panning the episode, but I think how it turned out, um, I mean, I, I beat you in the draft again, so that, that might be why I'm happy at this point. I tell you what, no, Riley, 100%, you know, congratulations, you win the draft, obviously, um, you know, you've had the rugby game that you won, then straight after that, you won the draft in the Australian Brains versus Braun, and now you've won the draft also in Survivor South Africa, Immunity Island, so you're 3-0 three, three and o at the moment, um, and clearly, if me and you were ever to play the game of Survivor together, you would be the bigger target, because you do know better than me when it comes to Survivor, but the true. one thing... He'd be first boot, mate. You'd be out of there, you know. I would just be the person that would be the character and wouldn't know anything about the strategy. But the one thing that for me, I think I will change my strategy next time when it comes to Survivor South Africa, when we do our preseason um, selection of people, you know, I will probably back the person that doesn't get any sort of confessionals in the first three or four episodes. I'll be like, that's our winner. That's the person. I'm just going to go completely left field with it next time because I now know the gig is up with the production team. They've had a laugh. I now know what they're doing each of these seasons, like three seasons that they've been in control. And two of them, we've had a WTF winner that nobody expected. And I think this one is an even bigger shock than what season six was. Yeah, I think it is definitely the biggest shock because in the last couple of episodes of season six, we sort of saw it coming. Um, and yeah, this one, I don't think many of us saw it coming at all. Uh, we, we did allude to it a little bit last week with Jark as to who would win in an, an, in an Ella and Nicole scenario. But I think a lot of that podcast actually centered around why Chappies would win and how we dominate the final immunity challenge. Um, obviously, that didn't happen at all. Um, but yeah, no, such a great episode and, and lots to unpack here. Yeah, such a ride, such a ride for sure, you know. And um, let's get into it, you know. They they start here, final three. Um, they go up to this challenge, which is a Survivor Classic. It's one where they have to stand on these wooden pedestals or these wooden, um, you know, sticks in the ground, hold on to an idol, see who's going to be the first person that we're going to fall off here. And Anella, from the start, starts shaking, struggles quite a bit. He does break his PB, and he does get from eight minutes, I believe, his previous best record in sort of endurance and balance challenges, and he gets over an hour, which is admirable. It's not his thing. It's not his strength. He's a big guy as well. You know, it's just not something you think, you'd think he's going to do well in. Um, and the real big challenge here becomes between Chappies and Nicole, with Chappies telling Nicole very early on, like, listen, you know, if you go if you fall off now or anything like that i'm actually taking you to the final instead of taking anella to the final and nicole says that it's not in her nature to drop off she wants to take him on and outrightly win this now riley my memory sometimes can be a little bit hazy when it comes to the you know i don't know i'm going to be the the survival worldwide representation in our next um quiz night i'm going to sort of try and do well i know you were pretty good you, you were the runner-up in the previous time that we did or you get got to the semi-finals the previous time that we did it um we're in trouble here, but I'm going to go over to you. I'm going to refer to you in regards to this challenge. How often have we actually seen a man win this challenge? Because from memory, you know, we've got a lot of females that have won this in the past. Yeah, I think when you look at the US version, um, obviously Kelly Wigglesworth won the first one. Kim Johnson won in Survivor Africa. And then Nilea Dennis obviously won in Survivor Marquesas. That was the final three of women, though. Um, but I think the only time, from my memory at least, that... Um, a male won in the hands and hard hour competition was Boston Rob in season eight All-Stars winning mm. against Amber Burkic and Jenna Lewis. Um, so I, I'm not sure whether anyone, because I, I haven't seen the older seasons from season one to five, five South Africa, so I'm not sure if anyone, any males won in that challenge um, over there. But I know at least in Australian version as well, we've seen Christy Bennett win that final challenge. So I think it is a um, 
a very unique scenario for a man to win. And yeah, Nicole continuing the trend there and pulling out final immunity, enhancing the hard idol. There we go. Well, luckily we've got fans here in the live chat that are helping us out. Dylan Faree, welcome to the stream, says Rob has won that. Um, that would be Boston Rob. And then also Chris Dixon saying that Jericho has done that as well in AU. Um, he is only three feet tall. So um, that's probably one of the reasons he's not the biggest, the most physical guy. Uh, also welcome to the live stream here tonight is Jenny saying that Nicole's win was a huge shock, but yay, a female winner first time in 11 years mm -hmm. in South Africa. And not only does she, you know, stop the momentum of the Chappies train here with winning seven individual um, immunity or seven individual challenges in a row. She also breaks that trend in South Africa where um, men have sort of dominated the game for the last 11 years. Um, so really being an outliner case here, and we haven't really seen this new production team edit a female winner. So in the future, this might be our benchmark for how survivors of Africa will edit their females in the future, which I think will make it extremely difficult for us to know who's going to win. Yeah, well, really, we don't know because I think this is, what, our third or fourth season now with the new production company. Um, I'm not sure if they came in after Champions or um, Philippines, but regardless, I mean, yeah, obviously the first time we had a female winner in this instance, it's still a little bit too early to, I think, predict how um, Afrikaans television actually edit their winners of Survivor South Africa. So we, we've seen, you know, we, we're the winner of season six and winner of season seven, completely different. Um, and again here, I, I think, as we said before, the winner of this season, season eight, Nicole was very different to the unpredictable edit of season six. Um, but I, I think she played a very, uh, a really good low key game. She was always under the radar a little bit. And when you think about it, looking at how things were at the final 10, after Amy and Rendier went home in that tight destiny's twist, Nicole and Anella were the only ones left standing and they made it all the way to the final two together, which is just ridiculous to think about. They overcame six former Vuna members and bucked the odds. It was impressive. And I tell you what, I feel like an absolute fool because, you know, and I'm probably not the only one. Like, you know, there's a few of us We're that feel fools. like a fool this season because our focus throughout the season was never on Nicole's gameplay. It was it was very minimal even on Anella's gameplay. Our focus were so much on where the editor sort of made us look like at a need pre-merge was looking, okay, this might be the guy who's going to win this thing. You know, even you a couple of times came on here and said, I think I underestimated a need. He's going to go all the ways. Potentially he was in the best position possible when he got into the merge, you know, with so many different connections. Then at one point we started shifting to Tyson and we said, oh, maybe Tyson's the person, you know, he's getting a really good edit. I was always looking at Anesu. Anesu was another person, you know, and then slowly but surely as these people started falling and you're like, maybe Karan is someone that could win the show, you know, and then at the end you're like, okay, Clearly, it's Santini. Santini must be the person. She's been obvious and in her face. We just haven't seen it. And then it shifts to Chappies at the end. So, you know, there were so many different people. And I think when we do our retrospective of the whole season next week, we'll talk about that because a lot of people are really low on the season, like you said, due to the fact that Nicole has now won the show. But for me, you know, as a true Survivor fan, you know, I think that you should be enjoying the journey, not just the end result of a season. And I think that as a whole, the journey of the season, the amount of passion that players brought to the season the level of gameplay that they brought to the season should be respected and for me survivors of africa immunity island remains extremely high and i don't know in my mind maybe the best season in survivors of africa um, even though nicole won this season and a lot of people are very low on that yeah no i did a review over on on my channel um shameless shameless self-promotion there but I, I sort of said that yeah i think this season was definitely my favorite season from survivor south africa and probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite, international Survivor season, probably yeah. up there with Champions First Contenders 2 in Australian Survivor for me. Um, and certainly, I'd say it would probably rank top 10 in terms of when you're ranking all 52 international seasons across Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and the US. I think it was a great season. And as you said, you have to appreciate the journey along the way, getting those great characters like Santini, like Chappies, like Renier. I was really shocked by him. Obviously, I was very low on on all three of those in the preseason. Um, and they came out to shock me. Again, Tyson, another person we were really low on in the preseason, he was almost our winner. Um, and uh, as we know, we, we were both very high on him. Um, I, I do like how really we adjusted our perception throughout the whole season, really. From episode one, we were kind of thinking it might be a Tyson win. And then that that sort of, sort of shifted. I know you were thinking Anessa at a time. I was thinking Amy at a time. 
Um, yes. I even had a time where I was thinking of Kiran as a winner. I mean, we, we won't talk about me thinking Gino might win, um, but certainly <laughs> there, there were so many different potential winners. And I think Nicole was the one that sort of came out of nowhere and in the end, you know, managed to win the game. And she bettered the other Nicole from Survivor South Africa, doing one better than Nicole in the previous season. So I think if a Nicole plays in the next season, potentially, she goes on to win that and then come back in another season and wins two times. I'm not sure how much better you can do as a Nicole from here. Yeah, well, you know, that's an interesting thing that you bring up there. And we'll definitely get back onto the actual episode as well. But obviously, I've already had my interview with Nicole last night. That's already available on Reality Pop. I thought I would release that one a bit earlier because we've got so much Survivor content that is dropping this weekend, especially with us doing our Brains versus Brawns retrospective tomorrow as well. Um, so, you know, thinking about this, you know, I had a conversation with Nicole and I said to her, you know, you're a champion. Would you be happy to just retire, not come back? Because it would be pretty tough for a winner to come back and play the show again. And she said, no, she would never back down from a challenge, which is similar to what she was like in the show. Mm. Um, she enjoyed being out there and not giving up and giving it her all. And she is a true fan of the show. She's someone that's watched all of the seasons growing up. Um, and, you know, there's this fight within her to come back. And I tell you what, Riley, I think Nicole can come back and still be underestimated yet again, even though she won this way that she's just won. And I think she could last very long, and I would not be surprised with her making it to the merge and potentially being someone that does a lot better, unless, you know, people out there have got this unspoken rule, no matter who the person is, if they're a winner and they're coming back, we're voting them out first, and then she just doesn't have an opportunity to play. But I think if she gets an opportunity to play, she could make the merge again. Yeah, and I think she very much is, uh, yeah, similar to a Sandra Dow's Twine or a Michelle Fitzgerald in that she could come back and, yeah, as, as you say, do quite well because she played such an underestimated game and I think, unfortunately, she didn't get the level of respect that she actually deserves for winning the season. Um, and we will go into sort of that debate as to who deserved to win between Anella and Nicole um, later in the episode. But certainly, yeah, you're right. I, I do think she played a very understated game. And what you said there where she was always competing in challenges. She was given 110% all the time. She was the only one that competed in that challenge other than Chappies um, when that spaghetti bolognese reward was up for grabs. So she was always trying. Um, and you said this a little a little bit in your exit interview or winner's interview with Nicole. Um, she kept saying she was winning two individual immunities. She actually won three, as you said, yes. um, with that initial reward where she won the Feast for Her Tribe. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, a great winner. And yeah, she, she was always giving it 110% and giving it her all, all in challenges, which is great to see. <laughs> yeah. So guys, if you're in the chat and you're thinking it's smooth sailing at the moment, you guys are not disagreeing with anything. You know, it's very different to the finale for Brains versus Brawns. Just stay tuned for it a little bit because we will break into what we think of the end result in a little bit. And I do know that myself and Riley may have some opposing views around certain aspects of it. You know, it wouldn't be Chris and Riley if it wasn't that way, because we both have very different ways of looking at the game, which I think is half of the fun in doing this podcast with you, Riley, to be honest, you know, um, so obviously at this point, Chappie's loses, he blacks out, you know, his body gives in on him, which again just shows how much of his heart and soul he put into this game, and for me, I kind of felt like maybe Chappie's mentally just switched off, he did look mentally pretty on, but, you know, he already thought he was there, he was in the final three, you know, we had people on Twitter, online, going at production the whole season saying you're, you're rigging the game for Chappies, you're helping Chappies get to the end, you're giving Chappies the opportunity to, to speak to the juror, jury members, you're giving him an opportunity to vote someone out, and then suddenly as soon as he's out, the other side of that came, bang, you know, and Naru had to defend himself on Twitter saying that, you know, these challenges were set out way in advance before, you know, mm -hmm. we knew who was going to get to final three, and people were saying, oh, you were rigging it for Nicole to win because, you know, Chappies was out in this position, didn't get into the final three, which to me is absolutely bogus that people think that way you know if they really wanted chappies to win they could have very easily just not do this last challenge because that wasn't a difficult challenge to set up it wouldn't have taken too much time to put that together you know so they could have very easily rigged it i think this is an example of why survivor is not rigged because if it was rigged you know chappies would have made that final two or final three and he would have probably won the season yeah absolutely i um yeah i'd never like those arguments of saying the show is rigged for one person or another. And we, we do see that many, many times um, throughout the history of the show. But it really was great, though, to see that we were just building and building and building and building and building, keep building towards a Chappie's win. He was getting all the food, um, all the all the advantages in his arsenal. And at the end, the Kim was slain and Nicole took him out in probably the greatest fashion in a 
you know, one-on-one individual immunity battle. And, you know, she outlasted the the challenge beast, as she said. She 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 slayed the challenge beast and she can use that as a a massive boost for her going into the final tribal council. It was a, a great win for her to finally, after Chappies had won, I think it was seven straight challenges at that point, to mm. take him out of the game in such a crazy fashion. It's unbelievable. And I don't think anything we've seen really before in Survivor history, maybe except for um, Atari Dietz in Survivor Panama, who had such a dominant player who's always winning in the challenges. And then someone comes along with the last challenge. Um, it was Danielle in, in Survivor Panama who beat Terry in the end. But um, in this instance, Nicole takes him out. And yeah, great, great result for her. Yeah, so you mentioned there because, you know, Nico speaks in the, uh, I guess, in the final or in the reunion, he says that, you know, Chappie's made a record. It is a record in Survivor South Africa. It's not a record when you look at it worldwide. Worldwide, Terry Dietz, you're quite right, does have the record for most individual wins in a season with eight individual wins in Panama. So he was one short of breaking or equaling the outright record. But I mean, Chappies is going to go down now. You know, we've got to do a full eulogy on his game. We've got to give respect to the biggest character this season, the person who actually won the fan favorite as well, you know, and is number one, you know, already printed in for All-Stars, like right at the top, Mm. this guy's coming back. And, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, Chappies coming back for All-Stars could be crazy. He's probably going to be the biggest target because people know if he makes the merge, he's going to be good in the individual challenges. But if you start throwing a couple of other big players in there, you know, like a Vanard and a Iran and there's some other big hitters that they could bring back you know uh, if Rob Bentelli suddenly says I'm happy to come back and play because him and you know uh, Chappies have got this friendship that you know far precedes him playing Survivor you know there could be some interesting things thrown in the mix that could help Rob it could help Vanner it could help Karan it could help a lot of these players when they come back so I wouldn't outright say Chappies is definitely going to be a dead man walking if he comes back and also if Chappies comes back and plays again I don't think it breaks his legacy at all if he doesn't even make the merge he's always going to be known as the challenge beast of Survivor South Africa he's going to be known as someone like a, a, a Terry Dietz like we still talk about Terry Dietz right now even though you know he never really got to come back and play and get far in the game like an Aussie for instance he's going to be at that level I think we're going to talk about Chappies and Chappies is a unique character there is no one else like Chappies out there we've been comparing him to a lot of people but Chappies is Chappies and in the future we're going to say well who's like Chappies that's going to he's going to become like the Luke Toki of Australian Survivor there is no other Luke Toki yeah absolutely he is so unique and as you say yeah definitely penciled in for a future season he did win the fan favorite reward um, in the end and as Jenny said earlier here um, she thinks Santini had a shot at fan favourite if she had still been in the game until finale week, especially if Chappies left weeks ago and Santini had been in the final three. And I absolutely agree. Santini was someone, again, um, similar to Tyson and Ella and Wada. They were our final picks for each gender. Um, and she came back and just shocked everyone. She took advantage of the perfect um, Immunity Island twist, and we'll obviously discuss this more and, and go into more depth in the actual retrospective of the season. Um, but, yeah, look, looking at Chappies and Santini, we, this season we've got so many unique characters who really just came out of nowhere and shocked us. It was great to see. Now, Chappies went wrong at one spot throughout this whole game. You know, like a lot of people would say there's a lot of things he did wrong because, I mean, he was a little bit of a sloppy player. But ultimately, I think the problem was that he probably should have put his vote on Nicole with um, Tyson and that previous vote. If he Mm. took out Nicole, Nicole was his biggest threat to win this last challenge and she was also the only other player that was left in the game that actually won immunities prior to the spot so he did make a really big strategic blunder here at the end and sort of not going for her but I do like this journey for Chappies and where it ends because it does end in a way where he you know sort of talks about the fact that he already won in his heart he had this whole growth moment going out on the show where he was probably misunderstood a lot of people didn't like him for some of the things he may have said on the island and they just couldn't sort of relate to that with him but he he really found himself and, and had a massive journey and even at the end you know when we see him and Tyson reunited in the jury the way that they interact with each other you know there's still that friendly rivalry there but they look like they're good mates now and it's so funny because the fans were like oh you know we've got to pick a side it's you know I hate Tyson because Tyson is swearing at uh, Chappies and he's being angry and I love Chappies and you know, this strange stuff happens where we become tribal ourselves as fans sometimes when we watch the show and it was good to see that they all left it on the in the game and they left it there you know it was just the game at the end of the day and they were playing very hard yeah that's always the thing with survivor though it's one big family you see people you know um 
get on the wrong side of each other's alliances in the game. Your your shirt there, Russell Hance, is a prime example of that. Um, he, he may have burnt a couple of people in the game, but certainly I know in the Survivor community, he's, he's got so many friends, not only from his seasons, but from others as well. Um, and he is very well respected. He's playing a character in that season. Uh, but of course, yeah, it is nice to see Chappies and Tyson put their sort of rivalry beside and um, come together in the jury. It was really nice to see those two embrace and and have that sort of rivalry at the end on the jury um, when, you know, Tyson was almost poking fun and and um, rubbing Chappie's head in a little bit when Nicole kept saying, you know, she slayed the challenge beast. Really nice to see those rivalries shift over to the jury. But of course, everyone's friends at the end of the day. Yeah, 100%. Bring back Tyson and Chappies for a rival season. I'm here for it. I like that duo, that dynamic. I like the twist of a rival season. I don't know if there's enough rivals, sadly, within Survivor South Africa to make that happen yet. Um, there's a couple of classic ones. I mean, PK and Tom Swartz come up as another two rivals, Rob Bentele and Jacques Berger. You know, there's a couple of different sort of, I guess, um, combinations that you can put into a season such as that, which would be pretty, pretty fun to watch. Now, um, were you ever thinking... For for a second prior to the vote reveal that Chappie's actually got one over on Nicole and that he convinced her to go the other way. Because I'll be very honest, I was still right up until the point where Chappie's name yeah. was read, I thought Chappie's was going to win the show. Yep. No, I was in the I was in the same mindset. I thought, yeah, maybe Nicole has been convinced and Chappie's has, you know, sort of pitched this argument to her. I, I thought Chappie's argument was very good in admitting mm. that he saw Anesu at the jury breakfast and Anesu sort of said, at this point, Sean is really lobbying hard for Anella at this point and, and trying to sway the jury, which was true. But of course, as we saw in the final vote, no one really took Sean's word for it. And, you know, uh, Anella only received one vote in the end, which was from Sean. Um, but certainly I thought Chappie's made a very good job at trying to convince Nicole to take her, um, take him to the end. And yeah, I, I was sitting on the edge of my seat throughout the whole episode, really. I was um all the way up until the votes were read and... Um, I kind of liked it how we had the reunion before the final votes being read. Um, it was, I think, the first time that's ever been done, but great to hold people in, in suspense until the very end. I'm sure many people were annoyed, but for me, it was nice to see um, people sort of interacting. And I, for a minute there, I was really thinking, maybe Anella is going to win this game because from the way that Final Tribal Council was edited and all the questions, it did seem like it was pretty equal between the two of them. Um, but in the end, we saw that, you know, Nicole obviously just absolutely demolished the jury. 100%. I'm going to go and read a couple of the comments here quickly for us that has come in. Dylan Faree said that just last week it was Rick for Chappies and those and that some people one week later screamed that it's now Rick for Nicole. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, Dylan. It's just funny watching the, um, you know, sort of comments online and specifically, um, I think, how people are disagreeing uh, between casuals and superfans as well of the show. And also Dylan here says that because of the spoiler, um, he always knew that Chappies would go home. And Dylan, thank you so much for sending me a private message to warn me not to go online and check out the Instagram page for Survivor South Africa because they spoiled the winner on there beforehand. And I tell you what, the impact of this episode would not have been the same on me if it wasn't for that because I was convinced that Chappies was going to win. And I think that this is probably the, what it feels like, Chappies, when you're out uh, – so Chappies, Riley, when we're out there – playing the game and you get blindsided, you know, we kind of got to feel a little bit as fans what it would feel like playing the game because I think we all were blindsided. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone was blindsided. And I do like that you called me Chappies there because I think um, <laughs> ALORLM has been giving us a little bit of stick in the chat saying if we ever played on Survivor, we'd be the first ones voted out, as I'm sure Chappies would be if he returned again. Um, in my mind, he'd probably be a dead man walking. Um, but we'll have to wait and see if we ever play the game and, and see if we can prove ALORLM wrong there. Um, I'm not sure we will, to be honest. I'll, I'll probably be first boot um, at this stage. But yeah, regardless, um, yeah, I think, um, as you said there with Dylan, um, yeah, glad that I didn't get spoiled on it. I was sort of steering clear of social media until the very end there and um, making sure I didn't get spoiled on it because it was great. I haven't seen a live finale without being spoiled in a long time because I know with the US version um, and even with Australian Survivor a bit, I was kind of spoiled. But then again, it was kind of obvious winners at it. Whereas so I, think obvious. The last time, I think the last time really I can think of from memory would be the Edge of Extinction finale was the last time I actually saw a winner and thought, oh my gosh, how did this person win? Um, and in this instance, seeing Nicole win, again, I, I love those shock feelings where people can come at the end and say, I did not expect that at all. Because I think that's the beauty about Survivor is it tells a story and the editors always keep you in suspense. But 
as this, as the Survivor Super fandom has grown and you've seen all this edgic and, and all these different ways of reading the edit, we've sort of learnt who wins at every stage just by reading their confessionals. Like um, Nick Wilson was a great example of that. Wendell Holland, um, who else? Tommy Sheehan, Tony Vlachos, um, all of the US Survivor versions. I always knew they would win based on their edit. Whereas mm. here with Nicole Vilmans, it was just completely out of nowhere and, and great to see. Yeah, and you know, you you kind of mentioned there as super fans, we read into the edit, there's edgic out there, you know, we like to think we know everything. Let's be honest, you know, we read it, we're like, ah, oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm that guy. I come onto these podcasts, I make very bold claims and statements at times. You know, I've been 80% wrong this season. I can live with that. You know, it's a lot of fun doing that. But um, you know, these producers got one up on the super fans, which I think maybe super fans appreciate that a little bit more than what casual fans appreciate it because i think casual fans in general are very low on this season because they felt like they were being sold a bill of goods that didn't really come to fruition and they didn't really understand nicole's journey to the end and how she won and i feel like nicole herself might feel a little bit a certain type of way because of that as well because we didn't really see her perspective a lot within the show but i did want to touch on one thing here riley before i forget you know um i know that you know, we've spoken about this in the past and you've mentioned a few times you're not a fan of Final Twos. This is why I love Final Twos in a sick, twisted way. This is why I love it. And let me just finish my thinking here. This is why I love it in a very sick and twisted way because, you know, it kind of breaks your heart to see, like for me, Chappies was my favorite. I really rooted for him the whole season. I really enjoyed Santini as well. I like that side of the faction, but Chappies was my favorite. You know that, I know that, I'm not going to lie about it. And it broke my heart seeing him fall short here in third place. Like a Terry Deeds, who was my favorite also in Panama, he kind of had the same fate. It's a pretty good comparison between the two, you know. Um, and this is why I love it, because it makes you appreciate the times that your favorite does win the show. And it also makes you appreciate that most of the times your favorite doesn't win the show. It makes the Tony Vlacos win. As a massive Tony Vlacos fa uh, fan, the two wins he had, it makes it that much more special to know that mm. he actually did that against all odds because it breaks your heart. you know. And I know you've got your reasons for it, and I'm sure you'll, you'll add to it, but I think that final twos can be really appealing. And I thought we've had two very good final twos and two very good seasons. And I like the fact that a tight three is forced to split up at the end the way that it is now. And also that we don't have a fire-making twist at the end. Yeah. Um, can you send me the clip wherever I said I don't like final twos? Because I'd love to see that. I'm <laughs> indifferent. I don't, I don't really mind whether it's a final two or final three. I'm not sure I've ever said. Uh, maybe I have in the past said many things in the past. Um, who knows? Um, I'm not. Yeah, I, I think I'm sort of indifferent towards a final two or a final three. If it was a final three in this season, you would be absolutely loving it. Um, and I think it actually it would have been a lot more fascinating if it was final three in this season, having Tyson and Chappies up until the final four. Um, but again, it sort of shifts the way that the strategic game is going. Um, although it seemed that actually Chappies was expecting and the whole cast were expecting a final three in that instance. Um, but yeah, certainly um, I thought it was a great final two. Uh, Riley said it five times this season that he didn't like final two. Okay, maybe I did. I, I don't remember at this point. Um, but Are you definitely yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe i did I'll, I'll go back and rewatch everything tonight um, you're, you're doing but, an anella here own your game <laughs> backing out of it well on, on the subject of anella I, I at least liked that given it was a final two that anella got some votes and we were actually in suspense um if i've ever said i don't like a final two it's probably more in reference to the situations where you have like a Sandra diaz twine and a lillian morris or um or a tony vlachos and a wu huang which is a completely unique situation because if we were taking cast it would have been a great um final two there um but certainly it, it's always great to see a tight for final tribal council and you know seeing either person have a chance to win and this is what we were saying last week with jack um we were very much in the mindset that really it was a it was a 33 percent chance for everyone to win at that point and it all came down to who pitched the best case at final tribal council and i think in this case it was it was an instance where you know nicole and anella were very well matched and nicole just absolutely blew the jury off their socks and gave a great speech and really um i think she had all the right things in her arsenal to say that she'd sort of brought um brought anella along throughout the game to the point where you know she had that sort of advantage over him sort of holding his head above the water uh, and she could say i've saved um anella in the game on multiple occasions and, and that helped her 
hundred percent. Um, so quite a lot of people here agreeing in the comments that um, they're quite happy that there's no fire making challenge and um, they're sort of happy about the final four here. Mackenzie uh, says that Micronesia broke her heart as well on the final two and that. And again, Mackenzie, that's what makes us love, I think, Survivor so much because now you know that next time your favorite wins the show that, you know, at the end of the day, it's the person you wanted to go to the end and win the show, you know, and it doesn't happen all the time. And Dylan saying Micronesia was just wrecked in the end against Sari. Um, yeah, I won't go into the wrecked comments. I don't fully believe in the wrecked comments myself. Jake, welcome to the live stream as well. Uh, this is the most shock I've been about a winner since Chris Underwood. And um, I think, Riley, you mm. said that as well earlier on. You, you kind of compared it similar to that. But let's get into the final statements here, you know, um, and, and, and I guess the game that both of these individuals pitched to the jury, which ultimately the jury needed to decide on who they would like to vote for the winner and the representative of their season. And um, Nicole really pitched the game of loyalty, integrity, trustworthiness. You know, I kind of told her in the interview that I could probably count on my one hand how many Survivor players in the history of the show have been able to do that um, without betraying yeah. anyone. And she is one of those people for sure. But I think it played into her favor that a lot of her alliance members were taken out not by her hands, but by other people within the game. So she was never really tested on that or forced to make those kind of decisions. Um, so maybe luck played a little bit into her hand for that specific aspect of the game. I'm not discrediting all the other good things she did but i think that it definitely helped her that she ended up becoming a bit of an underdog here in the post-merge part of the game yeah and this is the interesting thing about this season is that neither of the final three whether that was chappie zanella or nicole were on the right side of the vote for the majority of the time and in fact i think i was looking at it last week um and chappie's had voted correctly something like 52 percent of the time i think nicole was uh, maybe at a 54 percent and anella was similar to nicole as well um because you know, I mean, Chappies was always on the bottom, given he was the um, underdog throughout the game. He didn't have an alliance at all. Nicole was always on the bottom because she was in that um, Zumba minority compared to those six Vuna, much like Anella was as well. Um, but yeah, I think Nicole has certainly, as you said, uh, maintained her honesty and integrity throughout the game, which is great to see. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think you can compare her to a US Survivor winner, but perhaps someone like Sandra Diaz Twine, who always honored her her alliances and was sort of, you know, always working against Fairplay and Burton, but remaining loyal to the likes of Krista and, and Dara and the like. Um, someone who was, yeah, a bit um, loyal to the bitter end and always really ha had a great relationship with everyone on the jury, which is great to see that she, yeah, ma maintained that in a game of lies, manipulation and deceit. It's so, so hard to do. So to see her pull it off is great. Now, would you agree that, you know, looking at her pitch here at the end, uh, she talked about the fact that she wanted to play an honest game. She wanted to play with integrity. A lot of the jury mentioned that they couldn't really get a full feel or an understanding for Anella's game. And they kind of felt like he was putting on a front, trying to tell them that he played a certain type of game, which they didn't fully believe. They weren't buying the goods he was selling here at the end um, in regards to the type of game that he played. But they felt like Nicole was very upfront and honest and owned the type of game she was playing throughout the whole pre-merge. And she always said that her game, her brand was honesty, like David Wright, her brand was honesty and integrity and trust. Um, and that that was what she was playing. And also the fact that she made it very clear, I got myself to the end I, I was the mm. only female this season that won immunities i took down the biggest threat in the game the person who won seven and in, uh, seven individual challenges in a row i stopped that run from happening and i was the person who took that person out of the end do you think overall when the jury looked at it because obviously they don't have the same view of the game that we have where we can see the whole fishbowl from the top we know all the moving parts we know like i know that anella did a lot more and i know that me and you might agree or disagree on some of that when we get into it but do do you think that that sort of played very much into the jury's decision making here because her story was just an easier one to understand and they felt that, that there was more authenticity in the way that she was pitching her case to the jury here at the end? Yeah, I, I think so to an extent. I mean, certainly looking at Nicole's story, um, regardless of whether it was harder or easier to understand, I think it was the better story, taking out the challenge beast and, and competing against, being the only one to compete against Chappies in the challenges. Um, and you know, we, we, we sort of had this debate in Australian Survivor last week where the winner wasn't really competing in challenges. And I sort of carried the same um, argument here where Nicole was the only one that put her hand up against Chappies. He was the clear challenge, be challenge beast. She knew she probably wasn't going to win, but she tried regardless because she always wanted to be trying the challenges and she never gave up. And I think that's a great pitch to take to the jury. 
Um, mm. Especially when your opponent hasn't competed in, in the challenges as hard as you have. Winning three individual immunity challenges was a great boon for her as well. Um, and being the only female to win those challenges. Um, yeah, I, as you say, we didn't, uh, the, the jury didn't have a holistic view of Anella's gameplay, but I think they understood it enough because we saw this with Sean sort of pitching to the jury that whenever anyone came to Jury Villa, jury villa they were saying, I thought Anella was on my side, but you know he wasn't. He, he ended up blindsiding me. Um, and Sean sort of said that that's actually a great play because it shows that he's got the social capital and he's, you think he's working with you, but in the end, when he torches snuffed, he's not working with you, and that shows his flexibility within the game. Um, so certainly, you can look at it from both sides. I think Nicole, yeah, she may have had the easiest story to tell, given that she didn't have that opportunity, um, unlike Anella, where she betrayed a lot of people. But I, I think her story was stronger overall as well. Yeah, I think a big part of her story was the fact that she pitched the fact that she dragged Anella to the end, you know, she saved him yeah. at, at the the pair destinies, or you know, um, she saved him again at the end, taking him to the final two. But Anella kind of tried to make the case to say, "Hey, a lot of people saved me in this game, but it was down to my social connections." Tyson acknowledged the fact that you know Anella and. Uh, Karan both had the best social game of all of them in the cast which to me when I listened to that I was like okay well that should mean that maybe that's going to translate into some votes coming his way if he had such a great social game I was very shocked at Renee not standing by his man at Amy not standing with Anella um, especially because I saw those Ponderosa videos where they were talking so highly about Anella um, up to the final point so I would love to know from both of them if I do ever get the opportunity to talk to them again why did the vote shift at the end and was it because Marisha was pushing it pushing really hard that way or or what happened towards the end of Anella's game here um, because to me the only thing that I can think of Riley and and I know you're probably going to disagree with this but that's okay how I perceive it is that maybe some people got really hurt feelings by the social connections he built they thought they were a lot closer to him um, and it's the way that they were voted out him not telling them at certain times about it uh, somewhere down the line people got really hurt by it because if you build a deeper social connection with people and you're that great of a social player like for instance Karan and Tyson to me I really feel like they were hurt by the fact that he didn't drag them to the final three like they were planning to do with him and they ultimately thought well we're not going to reward you with this you know Karan made it pretty clear after um, Anella tried to flip on him and then came back to him which was a bad play but no winner has got a perfect play let's not forget Nicole took both her closest allies with her to the super tube challenge when they could have stayed back at camp to try and fight for their pl yeah. place in the game Everybody makes mistakes. You can't just have one mistake does not make a bad player throughout the whole season. I think that somewhere down the line, a lot of people came into this jury, um, and I, I don't want to call them a bitter jury. I think these players are above that. I think they're good players, but I do feel like there was some resentment definitely at the final, and that some people were never going to vote for him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be defending Nicole um, throughout, and, and I'm sure you, you'll be defending Anella likewise, um, but... Her, her SuperTube reward, she did explain that in your interview with her, so definitely check that out after the podcast. Um, I like what Mackenzie is saying in the chat here. She says, seemed like he was telling a story in hindsight rather than with intention. And I do agree with that in regards to Anella's game. It didn't really seem like he had mapped his game out all that much. And certainly when you're in a 6-2 minority, it is hard to map out where you're going in the game. Um, yes, he did form those bonds with Karan and Tyson, but then again, he went back to them trying to betray them at the final six with that 2-2 vote split, um, mm. completely vomited up his plans and went back to them and really just flip-flopping, flip-flopping. Um, and I think that's the thing that didn't work well for Anella's game is he was disingenuous in the game. Um, yes, you can call that a bit of jury, but you can also call it, I suppose, not having control of your game as well because um, he he did seem to sort of flow throughout the game and, and not he didn't really dictate the vote all that often and was always just following as to whatever plan was going on. He wanted to dictate the vote, but when things wouldn't go his way and you know, when, when Santini came up with that plan, he was really hurt by that and it hit his ego saying that, you know, I, I don't want to go along with that plan because ultimately it's not my move, which I think in that sort of instance, you don't really want it to be a move. You want it to be one you suggest, but then you want someone to take the fall for it so then you can use that at the end to put a target on their back. And I think that's where Anella was sort of going wrong in this game. Um, I don't think it was a bad thing for him to do because certainly he did need those moves to to enhance his game um, because at that stage of the game, he had been saved by Rainier a couple of times and I'm sure he was sort of thinking, how can I enhance my my chances on a jury? But to an extent, you should be sort of falling back and 
listening to other people's plans and going along with that because you don't want to be putting the target 100% on your back. So I think, yeah, as Mackenzie said, he was sort of um, backtracking and trying to think of how all his little individual moves piece together into one cohesive story after the fact, not before the fact and saying they all came together as part of his grand plan. Yeah, I mean, listen, I fully appreciate that. I, I still think when I look at the full body of work between what Anella did, I I really value the strategy part of his game, the way that he maneuvered through the game. Um, you quite rightfully said, you know, you can only play the game that is in front of you, you know, and you have to get to the final somehow. This was his way to the final. He didn't, like, yes, I fully agree. I'm not going to defend his move with Santini and uh, Chappies. That was a mistake. That was a blunder. But like I said, one blunder does not make a bad player throughout the game. He had to do a lot more right than what he did incorrectly in the game. And for me personally, I really enjoy um, active players when it comes to strategy and trying to influence the direction of the game uh, through, you know, the social dynamics and building alliances and moving. Like he quite rightfully said, he brought Nicole in with Karan and Tyson had a vital part of the game where, you know, Nicole wanted to play with uh, Chappies and Santini at that point of the game. And I don't think that the way to the end would have been as clear potentially for her that way. It is hypothetically. I mean, we don't know what would have happened if they really went that way, but it would have been a, a, a tougher road potentially for her there. One of the things for me with Anella's game and, and why I defended, and I want to be very clear here, um, I do respect Nicole as a winner. I do respect what she did in this game. I don't want to diminish from that. I know there's a lot, enough people online who is going to be very low on her, calling her Natalie White, which I do not agree with. She's, uh, again, I, I don't even want to talk bad about Natalie White. I hate it. Like the best player each season wins. That's a fact. But it doesn't mean that I would have necessarily voted for the same person who won. You know, I think that you as a fan should still be able to look at that and say, okay, I personally resonated more with another person's game um, this season. And I think that if I was out there, Surprise, surprise, here I go again. I would have voted for the runner-up. I would have voted for Anella, you know? And and again, you know, even if Nicole listens to this, Nicole knows this. I said this to her on the interview. Um, I really respect her win. I really respect the fight that she had fighting for the game. But for me, Anella, the journey that he had from being split up with people in the game, being on his own and making it to the end and building yeah. these connections where people wanted to work with him really, really counted in his favor. But I think one thing that we've learned this season, Riley, is that People really value challenge wins and challenge wins and idle plays are the two things that are most forefront in someone's mind. So uh, again, Anella, similar to the person in Brains versus Brawns that I sort of thought I would have voted for potentially, he didn't have any challenge wins here and he could have, couldn't pull it through. Even though he got close a couple of times, you know, you would have thought a sports coach, somebody that does rugby, um, you know, he's in that sort of arena that would translate well to the game of Survivor, but it didn't translate for him here. So his game, in my mind, I think was a more difficult one to explain. And also, I think that he didn't do a good job at articulating it in the final tribal council. So if I was there in the jury, I could very easily see myself voting exactly the same way, not having seen the game from the TV edited view, you know? So so I'm talking about Chris watching the TV edited show, where would I have voted? It's not necessarily what I would have done if I was there with the pitch that was given at the end. And I also respect, definitely I'm not going to call these jurors bitter I think they're above that. I think they're a great cast, you know, um, and I think that they had to vote the way they saw it in that tribal council and the way that people pitched it to them um, in that tribal council. Yeah, and this is what we were saying with Jark last week. It was whoever pitched the best case would end up winning because it really was 50-50. Um, and I thought even if Nicole or Anella came up against Chappies, they would still have a chance to beat him if they pitched the right case and really spoke poorly of Chappies. I don't think Anella played a bad game at all. I mean, any, I think any finalist has played a good game, really. Um, in fact, I'd even say that, and maybe this is just me speaking out of turn, um, but every player in Survivor plays a good game. It's just how it goes against them. Um, even Zane Knight in Survivor Philippines or, or Jason Brookstein in this season um, played a good game, but it was just not the right game in that instance. Um, and I think Anella this season, he did, he did have a lot of valid arguments to make, but I, I think with him, as you said, um, he couldn't piece it all together. And he he failed to really say what his game was and and put all the puzzle pieces together and make it one cohesive piece so everyone could look at it and say, okay, this had a lot of intention behind it. He was clearly doing this from day one, and I think he did get a little bit unlucky there with the whole um, with the whole tribe swap and being saved on a couple of occasions by Renier when he was sent to Immunity Island. 
And again, as he argued, that came down to the social relationships he built. But then again, I think the jury looked at it as being, you know, people playing the game for themselves and not being carried a little bit. I don't want mm. to call Anella a goat, but I mean, it, it did come up many times where he was he was saved twice by Renier and once by Nicole when she won that um, immunity challenge in the Tide Destinies phase of the game. So, yeah, I, I think the thing work, that worked against him was one, he didn't own his game, and two, he didn't take control of his game a lot of the time, and he did leave it up to to other people, um, which isn't it, it's not a bad strategy to have. But if you can own up to that game at the end and pitch that to the final tribal council and say, I knew I was on the bottom and I had to not ride others' coattails, but at least um, step closely alongside with them because that was that would be my best path to the end. You really just got to come up and, and cough up your game and say, this is what happened, be 100% truthful and tell the jury how it was. And I think Nicole did a better job of that. Mm. It's it's interesting because you you bring up sort of goat there, but normally a goat someone that's got zero social game. But he was complimented as one of the two best social players in the whole game, next to Kiran by Tyson, and that's where it just doesn't compute to me because Survivor at the end of the day is a social game, yeah. you know. So it is it is quite interesting. I my definition of a goat is someone that's dragged along. Um, so you know you can have a great social game like Gavin Whitson in Edge of Extinction. I think is someone. Um, in, in that line, or even uh, actually not not, Alan, not Angelina Keeley in, in Survivor David vs. Goliath. That's a bad example. Um, but may, maybe way from Australian Survivor Brains vs. Braun would fall into that argument had she been taken to the final two. Um, yes, she would have been dragged along because, you know, Haley or George were the dominant players there. But that doesn't discount the fact that she doesn't have a social game. Um, in my mind, the the term GOAT is more, more so used to describe um, yeah, someone that's brought along to the end and that follows in someone else's footsteps. And, you know, maybe you can make that argument with Natalie White. I'd say I'd say she's a goat that was brought to the end, but she had that social capital and the ability to plead her case to the jury. Whereas I think, you know, had Anella done something similar and really pled his case and said exactly why he deserved to be there and exactly what his intention was the whole time, um, he could have had a really good chance at winning the majority of that jury because there was a massive proponent on the jury for him in Sean. Um, and it was just a matter of him sort of pitching the same the same argument to the jury and saying, you know, this is why I deserve to win more than Nicole. It's, you know, it, it's not so simple at the end of the day, but you just got to think about what the jury is thinking and how you can sort of sway them and making sure you have a cohesive argument without any gaps in it. He was lucky to get Sean's vote. Surely, Sean nearly escaped from Ponderosa. They had to restrain him and keep him there so that he could place that one vote for Smash. But he yeah. really wanted to get out there, out of there before Final Tribal. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that happen here. I'm a big fan of old school tribal councils where everyone gets the opportunity to state their case, ask their question, you know, give the jury the respect that they deserve. I don't like the new format of tribal Final Tribal Council when it comes to yeah, um, the US show because it's watered down. It's even more edited. Like a lot of the, sadly, a lot of the U S show these days, you don't see much of what's happening. It's all smoke screens and fireworks opposed to what's actually happening when it comes to strategy, or even when it comes to what you see jurors asking at the end of final tribal council. So really enjoyed seeing this. It was really funny. Firstly, finding out Sean tried to escape. Secondly, Amy, you know, reveals that she was a lawyer. Everybody knew that. No one was shocked by the fact that she was a lawyer because lawyers speak in a certain way. Uh, Karan comes up, says that, you know, he's a strategy consultant and no one picked that up. So again, just showing how good he was at masking his game and then finding out who is the latest resident of Salt Lake City over on um, the jury. Santoni coming up being very salty in that final tribal council, not giving Anella any time of day. I don't think we were shocked to see it because they didn't really have a great relationship um, even prior to this in their tribe that they were in before the merge. But it was really funny getting her come up there, make a statement, and Anella trying to say, hey, can I defend myself in that case? And her saying, no, that's a statement. Don't want to hear from you. Well, was there anything else within this final tribal council and the jury that sort of stood out for you? And, and what did you think about it? Yeah, I, I love that um, little quip pack from Santini. It's it's always great seeing, um, yeah, as you say, salty jurors. I'll say salty, not bitter jurors, um, and, and their reactions to the jury. Um, always great fun to see sort of those those final remarks. And as you say, I think this is the benefit of the old final tribal council format, where each individual person gets to 
actually say their piece individually to the jury, whether that's a question or a statement, and it's not that discussion. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like liked how Santini sort of quit back and, yeah, lo- lots of fun moments in the final Tribal Council. Um, I really hope that this format stays the same going forward and that they don't go towards the US Survivor format because it yeah. was really fun to see um, everyone saying the individual piece. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, Karan's question, you know, um, the one about all the different moves that you potentially may have and what was your best move that you left on the cutting floor that you never ended up executing on? I thought that was a, a really interesting question. Chappie's asking a little bit about Grove. What did they learn about themselves being out there? Uh, you know, it was quite interesting. And then also, I don't know if you saw Ponderosa, but Chappie's admitting when he went to Ponderosa saying that he did play up a big character when he was on the show and it, you know, it wasn't the true Chappies that they got to see out there, mm. which I think was no surprise to us because he was very theatrical throughout the season as a whole um but ultimately the votes get placed here you know um it is pretty one-sided nicole vilmans does become the first female winner to win survivor south africa in the last 10 or 11 years it's just been quite a long time it's overdue um and we get the reunion show um which i really enjoyed and i missed the reunion show in brains versus bronze i know you said um, there hasn't been that many when it comes to Australian Survivor, but you know, if I had one piece of advice for the Australian producers, if they actually listen to this, is to have the reunion back again when they can. Obviously, there was reasons yeah. that they couldn't do it this time around. Um, I really enjoyed the reunion show and just the love that the Survivors of Africa producers have to the old survivor and the homage that they pay, you know, even the whole point of Nico walking out of that final tribal council, climbing into a helicopter, flying away, you know, it just brings so much nostalgia back to what survivor in the U S used to be like. Yeah. And I also loved how they integrated the sponsor there with the, um, with the security guards walking in the final voting down and, and saving it from sticky fingers, Francois, <laughs> sticky fingers, Chapman. Um, yeah. Some, some great moments in the jury and it's always nice to see, the yeah the pre-mergers speak and everyone sort of had that interaction after the fact um yeah i really enjoyed it and as i said earlier i kind of liked how and i think dylan brought this up how it's actually been a common thing in survivor south africa how they actually have the reunion before the final vote i really liked that in this instance it was really cool to to actually hear people say um what was happening and, and keep us in suspense sort of and then you know towards the end there we got to see that nicole Vilman. Um, ended up beating Anella in the final vote. It would be nice to see her sort of um, say some more some more things afterwards and get that reaction after the fact. Yeah, for sure. But, um, certainly understand the time constraints there. But if, if they'd worked that in, because it was pre-filmed, that um, reunion, from my understanding at least. So if they could have brought something in towards the end there, other than just in that little, um, in those credits, it would have been great to see more reaction to Nicole's win um, and then, yeah, maybe, maybe we could have heard a little bit more around the jury's thoughts as to why they voted for Nicole and not for Anella, because that's something that always fascinates me about the reunion is, yeah, we, we have these arguments about why Anella deserved to win or why Nicole deserved to win. Um, but it's always interesting to see the the jurors' perception of their games. And I know they would they always say they'd never change their vote after seeing the final product. And I absolutely agree with that. You shouldn't change your vote just because of what the what the final product that, that's viewed on television ends up being. Um, but it's always nice to see what their perception was of the players in the game. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that, you know, looking at the season as a whole, I agree with you. You know, um, you didn't get to see a lot of what Nicole did out there in the island. And, you know, I think that with the way that the finale was set up, there was so much time spent on some of the other big characters in the show and asking them questions opposed to the winner. It's kind of similar to what the edit was like, which really isn't, if I had to, like, we can't always just you know, say, oh, you know, producers, pat on the back, well done, you're doing everything good. I I do think that um, as great as it is to be blindsided um, by the editors here, like if this becomes a normal thing, I also think that it potentially... Um, brings up a little bit of hate towards a winner such as Nicole Wilmans from the casual fans who don't get it to the same level that we do, that there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that we don't normally see. So they have to take that into consideration, I feel like, for future seasons. And that would be one critique I would give the producers is to say, listen, maybe we need to explain a little bit more in the future how she got there, or if we can't do it within the season, let's give her the opportunity to talk to that at the end of the show. We haven't had a winner, a female winner in such a long time. There was nothing 
nothing made of it. Like, no, hey, you know, I know I spoke about that in my interview with her and I said, hey, you, you're going to be a role model now for young girls who want to play this mm. game in South Africa and for women who want to play the show. What advice do you have for her and things like that? And they didn't have that section there. But the producers, if you're listening to this, you can still fix this. Get the Survivor South Africa um, Twitter account to link my interview um, in there or retweet my interview so that more people can see the interview that I did that you guys didn't do at the uh, reunion show. Yeah, well, certainly um, I don't mind the edit that we got because it wasn't as though we didn't know who Nicole was at the end. She wasn't really, you know, like a Chris Underwood type where she just appeared out of nowhere and, and no one knew who she was because we did know her journey throughout the game. Um, it just was understated compared to the other big players. Certainly the way it was edited, it was really the journey throughout where Tyson was dominant and then they dethroned the king and then Chappies became this unstoppable challenge beast and then Nicole usurped him in the end. Yeah, it would be nice to see um, a little bit more from Nicole's perspective. But yeah, I, I'm in two camps where I do like the shock of it and she was edited fairly enough where it wasn't completely unbelievable and we did actually sort of be able to um, dictate where her game came from but yeah as you say as well in the other camp we didn't really see how it all came together and we saw more being from Tyson's perspective and, and Chappie's perspective and Santini's perspective as opposed to being from Nicole's perspective so it'd be nice to have a little bit more in the middle um, but yeah it's hard to it's hard to really strike that balance where you want to create a shock winner but also explain the winner's journey it's it's really hard to balance that yeah so overall last thoughts here on the season and obviously keep it quite short because we want to leave a lot of that for the retrospective that we're going to be doing next weekend i'm working very hard to get a couple of special guests on our retrospective uh which i haven't actually even spoken to riley about um, i'm hoping to have some other um really experts on the panel um here with us when we talk about the retrospective for the survivors of africa season um but riley overall final thoughts here on this season nicole's win and these final three contestants here yeah i loved it and i did a real deep dive on my own channel so if you want to check that out in the week proceeding to our retrospective definitely head on over to snafter and check that one out because i did yeah about a 45 minute deep dive as to my thoughts on the season i really enjoyed it um i said in in my deep dive that it's definitely my my favorite survivor south africa season and probably one of my favorite international survivor seasons as well it probably ranked top 10 Overall, when it comes to all US seasons and, and international seasons, I really enjoyed it. Um, I I do like that Nicole won in the end, mainly because, as I said, it, it meant that I'm two from two in the draft now, um, but also because it was unexpected and it came out of nowhere. And, and it's great to see a female winner finally winning Survivor South Africa um, and potentially, I suppose, well for US Survivor and potentially will mean that we'll have a trifecta of three female winners this season, uh, this year rather, potentially if a US survivor goes on to have a female winner. Um, so yeah, I really liked the, the season throughout. Um, I've said this many times in my video, great characters, great twists. I, I loved Immunity Island twist as a whole. It was fantastic. And to see mm. the ingenuity of some new advantages being brought into the game. Um, and again, the ability to be able to work around that COVID bubble and film on the wild coast. I thought it was a great location. At times, I almost forgot that we were in South Africa because, you know, it almost seemed like it was in Samoa at times. Um, but certainly, uh, overall, I think really high, highly of it. And the finale doesn't cloud my opinion of it. Um, it may it may do on a rewatch, but certainly I think it holds up. And, yeah, I think overall, uh, I could probably say that 19 out of the 20 castaways were were big characters. And the, the 1 out of 20 is probably Kihan, but that's only because we didn't get to see much from her. Because um, overall, yeah, great season. I really enjoyed it. I thought you were shading Paul Capito there for not getting any questions asked this way in the... <laughs> um, but you know the good news here Riley and I'm in agreement with you I really enjoyed the season I've been saying throughout the whole season I'm like this is going to be one of my favorite if not my favorite um, international survivor season of all time it's probably going to be up there with some of my favorite survivor seasons as a whole and the final result here I've learned a very long time ago after being the first time I, my, my dreams was crushed and a lot of people wouldn't understand that because you guys would have probably been too young to look to watch the show as it evolved um, as a show and if you look at that season now going back that far away you'd be thinking 
Obviously, the best person won there, but I was crushed when Colby Donaldson lost against Tina the first time as a kid mm-hmm. when I was watching it as the show was evolving. The show was a very different show back then. Um, that's the first time I learned about Heartbreak and Survivor, and that kept happening quite a lot of times with me in Survivor as the years progressed. So I've started um, to get, I've gotten used to enjoying the journey opposed to the end result. And I think that the journey for this season, and I'm not taking away anything from Nicole, I'm very happy for her, but the, the whole journey of how we got to where we got at the end of this what a wild ride so many great players so many red herrings out there for us as fans to read into and think these people are going to win it um just to be proven wrong every single time in the show um so overall you know i think it's been a very very solid season in that sense and i also um think that you know people out there the the super fans really appreciate it i don't know how it came across for the casuals watching the show from what i've heard from different various people there have been some casuals that have been upset with how the show ended i think there's a lot of chappies fans and a lot of santini fans who became chappies fans when she left the game that are not happy with how it ended but the good news is riley that behind the scenes i have spoken to people in the know-how and the ratings this season has been extremely good so i do mm. think we will get another season and this is without um looking at channel 10's ratings because they haven't they haven't been able to analyze what the 10 play ratings did to the show and how much extra viewers that brought to it but i do think that we're pretty much like I've heard through the grapevine, we're probably confirmed for there's, the contract is there for another two seasons. We're definitely getting another season, and I would be shocked if we don't get an all-star season um, at season ten. And we're going to have some hard work in the off-season to come up with players that we would cast for an all-star season. Yeah, and certainly as you mentioned with the Australian Survivor ratings, we'll go into a lot of that tomorrow because I've got all the numbers, um, and I'll be you know I'm always excited to talk about ratings. Um, I just want to bring out quickly here. Chris Dixon um, saying the Stephen Bradbury type journey of Nicole Vilman uh, in Survivor South Africa. Um, I think I said earlier that I explain that to the South Africans. Um, Stephen Bradbury is a speed skater, um, speed ice skater, and he um, let me see. He yeah he he went into a semi final. His whole heat was taken out. He made it to the end to the final in, in the Olympics um, really by luck of the draw and again in the final a similar thing happened where the four people in front of him dropped out he was you know 20 30 meters behind and came back in the end to win the gold medal becoming the first australian to ever win a gold medal at the winter olympics at least um but as i was saying to chris dixon earlier in the chat i don't think you can talk about stephen bradbury in the survivor sense because we did see stephen bradbury actually compete in australian survivor and he had a very different journey in that instance where he was sort of the he was the overdog in that instance and he got taken out um, there. But, yeah, certainly really excited to see how Survivor South Africa evolves in the future. I also want to bring up a loyal M here saying that um, that's why, Chris, you will be the first one to be voted out even before Riley in any Survivor um, you compete in. So certainly we have an Australia versus New Zealand or Australia versus South Africa um, new beer season in the in the future, and we're sort of billed as the captains in that instance. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see who wins in that in that regard. Um, I certainly think I I probably got a bigger bigger target painted on my back at the minute, just because I'm two from two. Um, but yeah, really excited, and and hopefully, um, obviously we've got Survivor 41 in the US coming up very soon. But next year we get Survivor South Africa season nine back on on the TV screens. It's going to be really exciting to see, and we'll see how the season shapes. The, the future strategy going forward for all these different castaways. Um, I sort of harped on about this a lot in the preseason and said that the likes of Chappies and Rainier and, and Nella will be targeted because they're sort of Rob Bantele types, but that didn't really happen in this instance. Um, so, you know, may, maybe we'll see, maybe they'll catch up and start taking out those bigger guys like, you, like your Chappies and your Rob Bantele's, or maybe it'll just happen again where we get someone like a Chappies go to the end. But yeah, it's really too difficult. For the future of Survivor South Africa. Yeah, it's, it's too difficult to say that's what people are definitely going to do. Like, you know, if you look at Roscoe, Roscoe got t- taken out before even making the merge in the previous season, and he was a big guy yeah. like Rob Pantelli. He was good socially. It's just subjective. It depends on the people you're playing the game with. And a lot of people who play this game, you know, because, um, you know, Jack also is very bullish in saying that Nicole wouldn't even make it very far. He thought she was going to be the first boot on uh, a podcast with me prior to the season starting, where he said she's going to be the first boot because her name is Nicole, and ni- there was a Nicole that went to the 
the final this time around. The casual people, the people who are fans, but not our level of fans, they go and play this game sometimes. They don't think at that level when they go and play the game. They play what is in front of them. And that's why I don't get why people like you and me would always be the biggest target where we go play a game such as Survivor because we 90% of the time would be out before the merge like Dino. We probably would overplay our hand. Um, and, you know, people that aren't the biggest fans, like, yes, they say they're fans, but they're not our level of fans. They don't know the history of the game as well. They don't analyze as many things as we do, you know. But these are the people who go all the way. These are the people that win the game in any case. So, you know, you can't predict these things beforehand. But anyways, enough of a rant. I want to close it off um, by going over to you, Riley. You mentioned that you've got your video out currently um, in regards to Survivor South Africa. So people go and check that out on Snuffed. Um, on Reality Pop, we have had our challenge recap today, earlier today, um, episode six. So if you do watch the challenge, go and check that out. Um, we didn't have Chantal Francis with us this week, but we did have uh, Angel Cake back um, as the host there. It's been a really good season to recap this so far. Uh, we also have the Nicole Volmans interview out on the Reality Pop channel. Um, and we've also got uh, a retrospective for Australian Brains versus Bronze um, that is going to drop tomorrow. Uh, what time would it be over in South Africa? It'd be 2 a.m. in South African time. So maybe check that out later on. You don't have to stay up yeah. and watch that. Um, that should be a really, really good one with a couple of um, special guests that we've got on for that podcast as well. Um, and all of this will be followed by hopefully two interviews with Australian Brains versus Bronze. One is confirmed with Way. Uh, that will be on Wednesday evening, uh, 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Potentially, fingers crossed, another one this coming week um, as well with another Australian Brains versus Bronze survivor castaway then we'll also have both runner-ups hopefully next weekend for survivor south africa uh so i'm going to be busy with a lot of survivor content riley's going to be with me on a couple of those as well so there's going to be plenty of content coming your way in the next couple of weeks and then the off season will start and we've got some more things planned for that as well we're going to be pretty tired by the end of all of this riley yeah absolutely and of course if you're a fan of the u.s version of the show obviously survivor 41 returns uh this wednesday night if you're in the u.s I believe it'll be Thursday morning for you guys, probably Thursday, probably Wednesday night as well for you guys in South Africa. I'm not sure how the time zones work, but I know for Australians, it'll be around Thursday, 10.30 a.m. as well. Um, make sure you subscribe to Reality Pop because we're going to have a very exciting kickoff show right here with Adam and Gideon, the Survivor Buffs. I'll also be joining them as well as Peridium, Idled Out, Analytical Strategy, and potentially even a Survivor legend will be joining us so certainly join us for that. That'll be um, an hour before the Survivor 41 premiere, and it's going to be a great one. I'm really looking forward to it. All right, guys, that's it. It's a wrap. We will see you next time, either tomorrow or one of our interviews or on the live when we do the retrospective uh, the week after. It's been great having all of the different people here in the live and especially everybody uh, that has been consistently coming here every single episode this season while we were recapping it. We're hoping that you guys will stick around as we do our off-season content as well. We've got so many great ideas for Survivor Worldwide, specifically focusing on off-season content for both Australian Survivor and Survivor South Africa. Thanks, guys. All the best and have a good night. Bye.